Welcome back to the Highway Hi-Fi Podcast, where we go track by track through the underbelly of music history using research and trivia to locate the roots of our obsession with vinyl records. I'm Joe. And I'm Ryan. And you've hit the 20 for the finest trucking music in all the internet. So today, we're going to lay down some sweet tunes about the open road. But first, as always, a little bit of trivia. Joe, so today's a show about truck and music. I got a little quiz for you called To CB or Not To CB. I'm going to read you a song title that I translated into CB lingo, and you just got to tell me what the name of the song is. Okay. I am going to give you the artist to kind of give you a little bit of framework. All right, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. First track, Bob Dylan, a stick more of road tar before I'm down and gone. <laughs> Jeez. Something lame my... I don't know. What? Tell, give Have me. you ever driven a truck? No. What, do you not practice your CB? That is... That's another cup of coffee before I go. Oh, okay, okay. Right. Now I'm sort of getting the hang yeah, of it. Yeah, we'll okay. warm up. All right. We'll see. Okay, this thank one, you for, this one is a for song. putting in the one that I should have gotten out first. Yeah, that, I was really hoping that would be an easy one. Yeah. They don't get any better. All right, here we go. Oh, the All Cure. Right. Let's hit the wave maker, babe. Let's go to bed. Yes, good job. Good job. Okay. All right, REM, Jockey Double Hobos. <laughs> Jockey Double Hobos. <laughs> That's so stupid. All right. Uh, no, I don't know. What is it? Jockey Double Hobos. That's Driver Eight. Oh wow, Double Hobos. Okay. Because uh, a single hobo is four. Why is a single hobo for? Do you know what the? Oh um, no, I got a CB dictionary. I got a CB dictionary, but it doesn't say why. It just says a hobo's four, a double hobo is eight. The butthole surfers, Dustin Bridges to the Bikini State. <laughs> <laughs> Going to Florida. Yeah, moving to Florida. Yep. Moving to Florida. Sorry. All right, you'll get this one. Tom Waits, warm Colorado Kool Aid and cold seat covers. Uh, warm whiskey and cold women. Cold women, warm whiskey. What is it? <laughs> it's warm beer and cold women. Uh, okay, okay. But pretty close. I'll give you points yeah. for that. Yeah. All right, here we go. Warren Zevon. What you hankering for in Mile High when you gone ten seven? Things to do in Denver when you're dead. Very good. Yoko Ono. Get your ears on. Here comes the fluff stuff. Listen, the snow is falling. Very good. All right, we're getting warmed up. Here we go. The Beatles. I'm checking my eyelids for pinholes. I'm only sleeping. Close. What is it? I'm so tired. You got you got this one. It's the Clash. I got some bears on my donkey. <laughs> Jail guitar doors? I don't know. I don't know what that is. What is it? Uh, police on my back. Oh, okay. Okay. Good one. Last one. Leonard Cohen. Mercy sakes, them is no threes and eights. Um, the Sisters of Mercy? <laughs> that is... Hey. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, mercy sakes. Thank you. That's no way to say goodbye? Yes. Hey, that's no way to say goodbye. Hey, that's no way to say... Okay. All wow, right. that, took, that took a lot of digging. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good job. Pretty good job. I begged Maria to let me use a, a vocal effect on my voice where it would come off like... But she would. She would. She said that would be bad podcasting for some reason. Well, then it's right up our alley. Okay, you, you did pretty good. I, I, some of those I, I knew you weren't going to get, but double hobos. Nah, were, those were a lot of fun. Double, double hobos, hobos was just great. great. I think yeah. I might just start saying that. Make it some kind of English thing where you say bloody double hobos. <laughs> okay, I have an audio quiz. What I want you to name is the the song that's playing. And name the band that the person singing, the lead vocalist, is most known for. Okay. So it's often like solo albums of people who were in bands or uh, guest vocals uh, from other people's albums. Okay, so I'm naming the singer, 
Nope, I don't care about the singer. Name the song and the band they were in, that they okay. are most known for being in. Okay, fair enough. Okay, here we go. Track one. I learned to count, but I found out there is no balance scale. People know, I think we know, for some is living hell. Track three. I've been away through the longest hours, wondering whether to cry or scream. Love is long and boring Unwritten very long ago It's full of flowers and heart-shaped boxes And things we're all too young Track 5 Can you hear the helicopters? I'm in New York no need for words now. Track six. My head is pounding and I need a smile, but not as much as the touch of your skin. And I must admit that I feel like shit. Okay. Um, how do you what do you how do you feel about that one? Uh, the song maybe not so much, but I think I have most of the bands, I guess. Yeah, I think I'm okay. Is Can there a theme that holds them all together at the end? Um, the only theme is that I put all of them together on my own. Okay. Okay? <laughs> okay. All right, so, so take that into account for those of you who know me. What would I put together? All right, I think it's time for Turntable Talk. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear a word they're saying. Only the echoes of my mind. All right, today my theme is truck driving country music. Country music has always towed the line between the common man and the mythological hero. From the early days of cowboys, steel driving men, coal miners, and railroad workers, there's been an appreciation for uniquely American professions. One can argue that a truck driver is the hero that's gotten the most attention from country music certainly from the 60s on. They're the new American cowboy. And why not? The truck drivers built America. They were dubbed Knights of the Road. Truckers represented independence and freedom, but they still had strong fraternal ties. They were alone with their machine, and nomadic tendencies, and a wanderlust spirit, but they still maintained a strong attachment to home and an undying dedication to reach it. Their job had very real dangers and presented epic endurance challenges. There's plenty of opportunities for chance, romantic conquest. And furthermore, they created a common subversive jargon that was meant as a way to circumvent law enforcement and outsiders alike. All these contribute to this occupational folklore about the trucking industry. So it seems that country music would give the perfect soundtrack for the lore of the highway. A simple, comfortable sound that can convey emotion and story in equal measure. Songs that warn of the rigors and perils of the lifestyle while being equally braggadocious about the required manliness. Tunes that could be humorous and heartbreaking, haunting and happy. Country music is the common language that played across the AM stations across the nation in the early morning hours, the connecting the passing big rig loners and the 18-wheeling hermits. It is said that the oral tradition of truck driving music has produced well over 500 songs specific to that lifestyle. Folk songs, in a way, about these American heroes morphed from the exploits about riding on the range or sojourning by railroad these songs are about the hours on empty highways and their diesel-fueled beast the truckers were these modern-day cowboys worthy of having their stories told sung and remembered the feeling of being on an open road is something that the common man can all identify with we may only dabble in it uh, relegated to family road trips or maybe long commutes uh, since i can remember i never go on a long road trip going across eastern Colorado where there's nothing but me and my car and my music. But I'd always have a mixtape or a CD or even a playlist these days that had some Dave Dudley or Dick Curlis or some other 
balladeers of the open road just keep me company. Not a truck driver, but I'm not above pretending. And while much of modern thought on truck driving music harkens back to the novelty aspects that really don't contain any lasting relevance, and it's certainly fair that the most popular songs of the genre exploited the image of the CB rambling, pinball-playing, chauvinistic, philandering, pill-popping anti-hero. The history of the music is rich and deep, and much older than you might expect. One of the first original songs about truck driving appeared in 1939 when Cliff Bruner and his boys recorded a western swing tune called Truck Driver's Blues. It was a song explicitly marketed to roadside cafe owners who started installing jukeboxes in record numbers for truckers and other motorists to enjoy when they're eating their hamburgers and having their coffee. The post-war 40s and 50s, truck driving was seen as an admirable job. It was good pay for uneducated men. Developing the country, delivering goods, helping stranded motorists. It was the antithesis of the madmen image of the suit-and-tie city folk. And as loneliness and loss were common themes in country music, long-distance hauling seemed like a natural subject. Though Art Gibson had a modest hit with I'm a Truck Driving Man in 47, the 40s weren't really the most fruitful time for trucking songs, at least not that I could find in my research. But in 1954, Terry Fell reinvigorated the movement with his own song, Truck Driving Man, that promoted the idea that truck drivers as distinctive and recognizable working-class archetype, worthy of admiration. As writer Wilson Pedden put it, the song didn't so much build up a mythology of truckers as it presumed one to already exist. Terry Fell conjured up a genre out of thin air. Truck Driving Man, which is a fantastic song, would become one of the most covered truck driving songs and a signature song for Buck Owens, who himself was a truck driver before he made it as a singer. In the early 60s, as trucks became bigger and the trucking network became wider, the hours became longer, the subgenre of truck driving country came into its own. Dave Dudley busted down the front doors with his 1963 chart-topping hit, Six Days on the Road. Finishing the mythological hero creation that Fell started a decade earlier, the song is a swinging narrative with a shaky bass line and a boozy voice crooning about a truck driver heading down the eastern seaboard, popping little white pills and dodging speed zones. Bill Malone, a country music historian, which, by the way, would just be a fantastic career to have if you could, if you could manage to swing that, said of Six Days on the Road, it effectively captured both the boredom and the excitement, as well as the swaggering masculinity that often accompanied long-distance trucking. Imitators followed by the dozens, then by the hundreds, and Dave Dudley himself in 1965 recorded a whole album of truck-driving songs called Truck Driving Son of a Gun. It might be the first album dedicated solely to the style. The truck-driving sound was established, Music that chugs into rhythm of the highway. It had components of Bakersfield country, honky-tonk, rockabilly, and even rock and roll. Much coarser than Nashville's slick production of country music. The stories and narratives were almost as important as the catchy choruses. The lyrics were straightforward and real. Simplicity and brevity were essential. Truck drivers are listeners. Very shortly, there were several bona fide stars of trucking rock. Dave Dudley, Del Reeves, Dick Curlis, Red Simpson, Red Sovine. Helping the cause was Charlie Douglas, who had an all-night coast-to-coast AM radio program that targeted truckers who needed to stay awake. It had songs of their hard-working lifestyle and advertisements for Peterbilt and other companies that solely appealed to them. There was also Trucker's Jamboree in the 70s, which was a successful live show from the pioneering WVVA out of Wheeling, West Virginia. Prominent Southern record labels such as Star Day and King Records began releasing trucking albums by the score. These LPs were renowned for their color album cover photos of shapely models dressed as waitresses posing in front of real rigs at Nashville truck stops. We'll uh, happily post some of those on our website for you to experience on your own. The culture with its own lingo, mythos, and stories were firmly established, but it was still very much a niche. The relegation to being a small footnote in the history of country music was averted when truckers were thrust into the national spotlight during the gas crisis of 73. OPEC proclaimed an oil embargo against the U.S. and some other countries, creating an oil crisis in the states. There are massive shortages, huge increases in gas prices, and rationing. To help reduce consumption, in 74, there was a national maximum speed limit of 55 miles per hour put in place. Independent truckers, whose profits depended on rapid gas-powered delivery, struggled to make ends meet. Trucker labor unions went on strike, blockading freight depots and picketing, but the most effective tactic proved to be the strikers' use of their own rigs to slow traffic, congest beltways and bypasses, and block off roads. 
If a group of trucks blocked or slowed traffic patterns to demonstrate a protest, there's little authorities could do to speed them up or move them. Likewise, if a group of semi-powerful semis sped in tandem down a highway, there was little that could be done to stop the rogue drivers. Following the 73 strikes, truckers began to form these ad hoc convoys as they traveled across the country in order to stymie law enforcement and usurp the new 55 miles per hour speed limit. Also, the relatively new technology of citizens' band radio allowed truckers to organically and quickly cooperate on the roads. Truckers adopted handles to talk back and forth and created new lingo to mask their communication from law enforcement. Truckers would scout for Smokies and let other convoy members know about speed traps, road hazards, anything that they could share. By convoying, they figured they could escape law enforcement, or if one of them did get caught, the rest could hammer down and get out of there. The rebellious spirit of these protests caught the attention of the American public, who in general were also suffering for, from economic issues. Again and again, truckers proved to be these modern-day cowboys. They were fiercely independent rogues and outlaws, and they were sticking it to the man. And as culture tends to do, it took over this trucking, this phenomenon of trucking for its own purposes. Trucking shows and movies became more popular. Shows like Moving On or movies like Breaker Breaker. In January of 76, the number one song on the Billboard pop chart was C.W. McCall's Convoy. It's a rousing song about a fictional band of rebellious truckers who tear across America, disregarding speed limits and breezing past checkpoints with plenty of silly CB jargon. It's a great song and a lot of fun, not really country, more pop, but it started this new wave of trucker country. They made it into a film that starred Ally McGraw and Chris Christopherson, and uh, he had one of the best lines of all, all film, in my opinion, when he said, piss on your law. <laughs> and so in 78, they released that. But even in 77, the second highest grossing film behind some movie called Star Wars was Smokey and the Bandit, with Burt Reynolds as a hotshot driver who agrees to smuggle bootleg beer, Coors beer, in a semi-truck past vast numbers of bumbling, pursuing state troopers. The film featured the country funk legend Jerry Reed, who contributed the classic title track, Eastbound and Down. So the public became obsessed with truck culture. They figured there was about 800,000 CB license on the book. And then a year after McCall's song hit the charts, there was over 11 million in use, most by everyday citizens. And they were trying to tap into this trucker culture in the urban cowboy chic, with their trucker hats and their shirts. Betty Ford, the former first lady of the United States, even took up a handle. First Mama. Additionally, since the 1960s, lots of mainstream country artists wrote and recorded songs about truck driving. Tom T. Hall, Buck Owens, Merle Haggard, which has one of my favorite truck driving songs called White Line Fever. The genre also spilled over into country rock, Grateful Dead. They had some song about trucking, I forget what it's called. The Birds, The Flying Burrito, Burrito Brothers, Little Feet, Commander Cody, and The Lost Planet Airmen. And as trucking songs became more saccharine and novel, they played on stereotypes and gags. Some were fun, some were offensive, some were both. Listen to Rod Hart's gay panic trucker song, CB Savage, if you need one that's kind of fun, but definitely offensive. Many were just ridiculous, and sometimes these past hits were re-recorded as money grabs by faded stars of the 60s, or worse, studio impersonators. The trucker's quick rise to prominence was matched almost by its swift downfall. In 79, there was another gas crisis. This time, truckers were much more violent in their protests and strikes. They'd throw rocks off overpasses, make death threats over CB radio. They would shoot at trucks. And eventually, in 1983, there was the murder of Teamster George Capps. Also, not helping the cause, were several high-profile cases of truck-driving serial killers who scared the public away from the trucking industry. The allure of the renegade was gone. Very quickly, the image of the truck driver as a blue-collar folk hero of the road disappeared, and with it, a great subgenre of music. From then on, for the most part, trucker songs were novelty at best, something to be laughed at and ridiculed, much like truckers themselves, maligned where they used to be mythologized. Like many great musical movements, the sound got distilled, processed, and repackaged for mass consumption. Modern country music turned towards more pickup truck culture, but there's still fantastic modern trucking music out there. The record label Diesel's Onlys was established in 1990 by music journalist Jeremy Tepper. He was also the lead singer of the world-famous Blue Jays. And he started this label with the goal of releasing vinyl 45s for use in ju jukeboxes at truck stops. Probably the last time jukeboxes were still in use at truck stops. Laura Cantrell was on the label. She's a female singer that had many, many great uh, trucking songs. Um, one of their compilations called Rig Rock Deluxe is an excellent compilation and got a little bit of notoriety. 
uh, even in, in the past year, Zephaniah Hora and his band, the 18 Wheelers, have put out great albums that uh, a lot of it is truck trucking music. Sirius Radio has truck driver themes. So the, the spirit's still there. There's still people who carry on that tradition. So Joe and I picked four of our favorite trucking hits for our song selections, but I wanted to give you some short clips that kind of illustrate the progression of truck driving music as it spans from 1939 to the late 70s. So I'm going to play uh, seven clips here, just short clips of it, and then I'll tell you the name and kind of why we chose those clips after. Feeling darn weary From my head down to my shoes Feeling darn weary From my head down to my shoes Pour me another cup of coffee, for it is the best in the land. I'll put a nickel in the jukebox and play the truck driving man. And Betty Lou in Maine I got a good old gal in Knoxville But man, I forgot her name But not her figure I remember that Yeah, I'm a kiss-stealing A wheeling-dealing A truck-driving son of a gun CP, yeah, Citizens Band, keeps you up to date with the fender benders and the Tijuana taxes and all them buyers out there, flip-flop. Now, ahead of your children and ahead of your wife on the list of the ten best things in life, you see, B's got a rate right around number four. Of course, beavers and hot biscuits and Merle Haggard come one, two, three, you know. All right, as I said, we chose these clips kind of to illustrate the progression of truck driving music. The first song was one I mentioned in the turntable talk. It's Cliff Bruner with Truck Driving Blues. As far as I could tell, that was the earliest truck driving hit. It's very much a, a western swing type song. Really fun, fun song. The next song is Terry Fell, Truck Driving Man. And that, other than Six Days on the Road, was probably the biggest trucking hit of the early eras. And it's also just a really fun song. The third song was Dave Dudley, who's you know, the godfather of truck driving music with a song called Truck Driving Son of a Gun. And I put that one on because it's the first, it's a song off the first LP that was entirely about truck drivers, and that came out in 65. The next song was Kay Adams with a, a song called Little Pink Mac that came out in 1966, just to show that truck driving music wasn't all a boys club. There was a few female artists in there who were, who were brave in the airwaves to put out their own brand of music. 
The next song was Jim Nesbitt with Truck Driving Cat with Nine Wives. <laughs> it's a swinging song about the lifestyle, and he was the uh, the comedian country. Uh, I think what I saw, he was the Truck Driving Comedian Country Artist or something like that. It had a ridiculous title. That came out in 68. It's a fun song. Then the next song is Little Feet with a song called Willing, and I put that on just kind of as a country rock crossover. It's an awesome song, and it really kind of shows that sound was really spilling over by the by the early 70s, late 60s, and that uh, country rock artists were really picking up on why this was a great, fun subgenre of country music that had that, you know, kind of rebellious, Bakersfield, tough sound, so it worked really well mixing with, with uh, rock and roll. And finally, the last song is Cletus Maggard and the Citizens Band with the White Knight. And this is a good novelty song, but very much a novelty song where he's talking all about CB culture, and that came out in 75. If you need uh, some more truck driving songs, we did make a Highway Hi-Fi Spotify list. So if you're going on spring break or going on a summer trip and you want to put some trucker songs, Joe and I are going to put my favorites on there. You should look for these records, and I think Joe's going to talk a little bit about finding these records and, and what it's like, because he's, he's the master of finding these sorts of records. There are a different, diff- few different ways you can find these records. Obviously, you can go to, like, a Discogs and pay really low prices, but then also have to pay for shipping, or you could try going to record stores and just searching dollar bins, which is where you'll find some if record clerks have decided that they think they might sell. For the most part, from my experience being a record clerk, the people working in there are going to generally assume they're not going to sell and they're going to end up in the in the dumpster out back. The best way to find these things, I think, is to go to record fairs. That's how I found a bunch of them. And I have a lot of trucker albums, uh, both single artist ones, like the ones you mentioned, Dave Dudley. I've got some Red Simpson, Dick Curlis that we'll talk about in a little while. And then I've got a lot of compilations. Those are the trickier ones. So the record fairs are really great because you can go there, you're going to see hundreds of hun- hundreds and hundreds of people, all these booths of people selling selling their records, and for the most part, those country records, people are just going to want to kind of get rid of, and you can even haggle on them. So go through, pick out ones that you like the covers. And if you are looking for the compilations, there are a couple things to look for and one thing to maybe not look for. The compilations started initially by KTEL. KTEL was uh, that as-seen-on-TV company. They started that. They also basically started compilation LPs in general, and they sold them really well. They started making compilation albums in the mid-60s, and they just took off. They had, they even had a tagline for their, for those compilations. They Generally, they had some kind of a theme, and their tagline was always 20 original hits, 20 original stars. That was on every single one of them. They were almost always themed, and trucker themes were a big part of it. And they actually had... Uh, licensing from the artists. So they got really cheap licensing from, from artists and they would sell these records in truck stops. Uh, they would sell them everywhere. Yeah, they just made a ton of money selling really, really cheap records on really flimsy vinyl too, but they made a lot of money and they provided a lot of good play. Those are ones Those are ones that I think are worth trying to find. Although again, the vinyl is pretty flimsy and with a lot of the compilations, the ones I found especially, they have been worn down. People have really played them a lot. The other record label that you're going to want to look for, I think, is Starday Records. Starday is a huge record company. They were started in 1952. Uh, they had a lot of big artists on it. They were exclusively country with sometimes some gospel country mixed in or some other kind of country mixed in, but they were focused on, on that mostly. By the mid-1960s, Starday had become the big name in truck driver music, a subgenre of country music that related to big rigs and truck stops, with endless stories about the road, fast women, drinking, highway police, etc. Album covers of theirs for their compilations tended toward the tacky, if not downright tawdry. Many featured truck drivers and other men seemingly on the prowl and women with tight dresses or spandex-type jeans. Those are fun to look look for. They're awful, but they're awfully fun as well. And the the songs on there are generally really good. And they yeah. do have a few different weird labels um, or label names, record company names, that because they were using some strange names. But Starday is always somewhere in there. The one to avoid is generally Pickwick, where Lou Reed used to work. Uh, when they made their compilations, they were on garbage records too. They were just really thin, vinyl, poorly produced. They were known for their sound-alike records, which would often claim to be original, but had nothing more than in-house bands or 
other singers coming in and covering the songs. I think their most infamous for this was them having a Beach Boys album that was actually just done by some guy in this studio. So it was, it was really, really awful. What I would suggest you do, go to record fairs, which are worth going to anyway. You can find rare records there. Prices are always going up everywhere, but this will be kind of introduce you to a bunch of new places. You can make contacts with some of the people who have booths there, and you can find really cheap country rec- records because nobody seems to like the hillbilly music, even though some of it's downright fun. So go for the Star Day records. If you find KTEL ones, those are generally good too. Stay away from Pickwick. There you go. So as I promised, we're going to uh, play you a few of our, we're going to play you the full tracks of four of our favorite songs. And these are all records Joe had. I do have, I think one of the songs on vinyl somewhere, but these are, these are from Joe's collection. So let's go ahead and play you some songs. All right, we're going to move into our four-song section now, and I'm going to start with a song from 1967 on Capitol Records, and it is Red Simpson with Diesel Smoke, Dangerous Curves. I'm driving this truck on a mountain road. I got a hot rod rig and I'm a flying low. My eyes are filled with diesel smoke. Hairpin curves ain't no joke, diesel smoke. Dangerous curve. I was out last night drinking beer with a guy who's got an aching head and bloodshot eyes. I went up with a pretty little dame. I didn't even know her name, diesel smoke. Dangerous curve. If I deliver this hot shot freight, I gotta get a going cause I'm running late. These mountain grapes are mighty steep. Can't stay awake, can't I have no sleep? Diesel smoke. Dangerous curve. At the bottom of the grave, she's got the coffee already made. I gotta keep my eyes up on the road, cause I'm going down the hill with a heavy load. Diesel smoke, dangerous curve. Well, I must close my eyes for a while, cause here I am and I'm a running wild. I burnt my brakes, stripped my gears, gonna have to ride her down, I fear. Diesel smoke. I wish I'd left the women alone, but it's too late now cause I think I'm gone. I got myself into this fix just because I tried to mix diesel smoke, dangerous curve, diesel smoke. All right, that was Red Simpson with one of the biggest trucking hits, Diesel Smoke Dangerous Curves. Um, Again, that was 1967 on Capitol Records. Red Simpson grew up in Bakersfield and began playing country music at an early age and claims to have written his first song at the age of 14. And I only bring that up because the name of the song is Chicken House Boogie. (laughs) Uh, Much like a lot of the truckers, the songwriting truckers, he was in the Korean War. And during the Korean War, he served in the Navy and started his first band there while in the Navy. When he returned to Bakersfield, he started playing in other bands. Some of those were in... Buck Owens band and in Merle Haggard's band. He wrote songs for them. Uh, they became big hits. Hits. He's considered one of the prominent Bakersfield sound guys behind the big two, Buck Owens and Merle Haggard. He, he even plays on the original version of Okie from Muskogee. Simpson had two complete records of just trucker songs and had the perfect voice for it. He also recorded an entire album of police songs, not that band. Uh, So he basically (laughs) played the field from Bandit to Smokey. He had two hits in 1966 with Roll Truck Roll and a song called The Highway Patrol. 
From 66 to 73, he recorded eight albums and had a few more hits all along the way about trucks and one about being a truck. After that, he started to get pretty desperate, I would say, based on what I what I listened to. Uh, he continued trying to chase that trucker dragon until he seemingly gave up and moved away from endearing songs truckers would enjoy to songs that sort of make fun of truckers and were nothing more than novelty songs. The biggest of these, and also his last appearance on the charts, it charted at nine, number 99 for two weeks, was 1979's The Flying Saucer Man and The Truck Driver. It is one of the worst songs I have ever heard, novelty or not. Really? Uh, but the song, yeah, I hated that song. Anyway, <laughs> look it up if you want to. I, we are not going to post a link to that. It is terrible. But Dangerous, uh, Diesel Smoke Dangerous Curves is one of the greatest songs. I just, as much as I enjoy... The songs about uh, truckers on the prowl. I also like the ones about the dangers that they face, you know, like the Diesel Smoke Dangerous Curves and the Tombstone Every Mile, which is probably my favorite trucker song ever, uh, the Dick Curlis one. But that's my Red Simpson tune. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't heard it, if you had, I hope you hope you turned it up. I'm going to go ahead and play my first song. This is called Girl on the Billboard by Mr. Del Reeves. do 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 Chicago to St. Louis, Lord, I see her every day. I double clutch and weasel like me, can hardly ever get a girl. Look at him, by the way. Smiling like the girl wearing nothing but a smile and a towel. And the picture on the billboard in the field near the big old highway. Well, what a girl wearing nothing but a smile and a towel. And the picture on the billboard in the field near the big old highway. But it wouldn't take her very long to get gone If someone would pull a dirty trick and take her towel away I slow my jimmy down to 20, that's how many wrecks I see there every day Cause by the girl wearing nothing but a smile and a towel In the picture on the billboard in the field near the big old highway I doodle-doo-doo Kiss and hold her than just keep a looking at her every day. At 4:45, coffee drinking, eating time, Jimmy shimmies while I wake up. The artist that painted the display of the girl wearing nothing but a smile and a towel in the picture on the billboard in the field near the big old highway. Doggone that girl wearing nothing but a smile and a towel. a single by Del Reeves that came out in February 1965 on United Artists record. Uh, I don't usually do this, but I think Wikipedia says it best. It says, Girl on the Billboard spent two weeks at number one and totaled 20 weeks on the charts in addition to reaching 96 on the Billboard Hot 100 and has become one of the many country standards about lust. (laughs) (laughs) And that pretty much sums it up. It is a song about lust. He had another, uh, Del Reeves had another song about lust called The Bells of the Southern Bell, which is also a country top five. And then had a pretty famous trucking song called Looking at the World Through a Windshield. But Girl on the Billboard was his most famous, uh, my favorite. He played that up. That was his big song. And he played it for many, many years. And, you know, he's pretty well respected, but he doesn't have the breadth of hits that some of the other guys we're going to be talking about here today have. One interesting fact is I did try to find the actual girl on the billboard. 
And that took me on an internet scavenger hunt where I got to some guy who claims he talked to one of the co-writer's wife. Uh, Del Reeves didn't write it. Walter Haynes and Harry Mills wrote it. The wife of, of one of the co-writers said that her husband was inspired to write it when he became stuck in traffic in Nashville and saw a pretty girl in a swimsuit on a Coca-Cola billboard. So I did some more research on the internet, and I think I found that girl. So I'm going to go ahead and post that picture. I have no proof that this is the girl on the billboard, but it is a girl on a billboard. So that's going to maybe have to be good enough for you. Didn't Bill Callahan of Smog cover that? He did. He did. Okay. He, but it wasn't, he didn't, he was in a band or it was for a weird compilation. It's one of my favorite trucking songs. Definitely one of the most fun. It's like two minutes long. It's just hard not to sing along. It's got a um, expletive that is beeped out, which is always fun. I think the beauty of the trucker song, or the successful ones, um, unless they're really sad, the ones that are kind of upbeat, the best ones are the ones where truckers or people driving around down through the highway can start singing less than halfway through the song. They can start singing along with the song. Uh, They're usually pretty short, and they know the song really well before it's even over. And that's this was perfect for for mixes and road trips because like you can put a hundred of them, hundred of them on on a CD, maybe not that many, but you can put a ton of them on a CD and they just blow by, and they're all familiar even if you've never heard them. Perfect for driving. My second song is Red So Vine with Phantom Three Hundred Nine. I was out on the West Coast trying to make a buck, and things didn't work out. I was down on my luck. Got tired of roaming and bumming around, so I started thumbing back east toward my hometown. Made a lot of miles the first two days, and I figured I'd be home in a week if my luck held out this way. But the third night, I got stranded way out of town at a cold, lonely crossroads. Rain was pouring down. I was hungry and freezing, done caught a chill when the lights of a big semi topped the hill. Lord, I sure was glad to hear them air brakes come on. And I climbed in that cab where I knew it'd be warm. At the wheel sat a big man. He weighed about 210. He stuck out his hand and said with a grin, Big Joe's the name. I told him mine. And he said the name of my rig is Phantom 309. Well, I asked him why he called his rig such a name. He said, son, this old Mac can put them all to shame. There ain't a driver or a rig or running any line that's seen nothing but taillights from Phantom 309. Well, we rode and talked the better part of the night when the lights of a truck stop came in sight. He said, I'm sorry, son, this is as far as you go. Cause I gotta make a turn just on up the road. Well, he tossed me a dime as he pulled her in low and said, have yourself a hot cup on old Big Joe. When Joe and his rig roared out in the night, in nothing flat, he was clean out of sight. Well, I went inside and ordered me a cup, told the waiter Big Joe was setting me up. Oh, you could have heard a pin drop. It got deathly quiet, and the waiter's face turned kind of white. Well, did I say something wrong? I said with a halfway grin. He said, no, this happens every now and then. Every driver in here knows Big Joe. But son, let me tell you what happened about 10 years ago. At the crossroads tonight where you flagged him down, there was a busload of kids coming from town. And they were right in the middle when Big Joe topped the hill. It could have been slaughter, but he turned his wheels. Well, Joe lost control, went into a skid, and gave his life to save that bunch of kids. And there at that crossroads was the end of a line for Big Joe and Phantom 309. But every now and then, some hiker will come by and like you, Big Joe will give him a ride. Here, have another cup and forget about the dime. Keep it as a souvenir from Big Joe and Phantom 309. 
All right, that was Phantom 309, a total departure from Girl on the Billboard. Uh, it is a trucker ghost story, all right? And that came out on a single on Starday Records, which Joe mentioned came out in 67. Red Sovine is famous for these particular sort of narrative songs set to music, but he's pretty much just telling a story. Uh, the most noted examples are the 65 uh, number one hit Giddy Up Go and the 76 number one hit Teddy Bear, a uh, friend of the show. And he's the person who I think uh, introduced me to the joys of trucker songs, Tex. He describes Red Sovine perfectly. He, he sent me an email because we were talking about this. He said, his blood-curdling maudlin songs, which are nakedly nakedly emotionally manipulative, make you angry at yourself when you start to tear up. So, and that's just perfect for how Red Sovine songs, Sovine songs, they're like Pixar films of, of trucker songs. They just, they're so sappy, they make you cry. Not so much Phantom 309. Tex also told me an interesting bit of trivia that Minnie Pearl scored her only charting hit with uh, Giddy Up Go Answer, you know, which was an answer song, which was popular in country music. Red Sovine, he was named for the color of his hair, uh, started like many country stars in radio, and he had various shows, and he started with honky-tonk songs, and he was performing since the late 1940s. He hung out with Hank Williams Sr., so he'd been around for a long time. Phantom 309, which was written by Tommy Fail, was released as a single. It was a minor hit, but it was a tale of a hitchhiker who who took a ride with a trucker who turned out to be a ghost, and he gave his life with diverting himself from crashing into a bus full of children. Turns out that, though we can't prove that the ghost part is right, the crash part is based on a true story. In 63, there was this guy named John Pete Trudell who drove a tanker truck, and he was going to hit a car and some some kids who were getting onto a bus, and he turned and he plowed into a bridge, killing himself, blowing up the truck. It was a gas truck. Another guy in a car died in the accident too, but like six or seven kids and the school bus driver had enough time to get off the bus. So he's an actual guy. They built a monument to him. It's kind of a, a sad story, but uh, great story too. I had no idea that was real. Yeah, yeah. Do you know where the monument is? Yeah, it is in Troy, New Hampshire. And I will put a picture of the actual monument up on our website right under the girl on the billboard. Phantom 309 was covered by Tom Waits. He, he changed the lyrics just a little bit and called it Big Joe and the Phantom 309. That was on the Nighthawks at the Diner album, I believe. And then his version was covered by Archers of Loaf on Step Right Up, the songs of Tom Waits. And then Johnny Cash did a tribute song called Like the 309 on American Music 5. But most importantly, it was the inspiration for Large Marge on uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Tell him Large Marge sent ya. <laughs> exactly. All right, I'm not going to use that voice again. My last song, my second song, our last song, is by Dick Curlis, my favorite trucker song singer. I'm not going to tell you what the name of the song is yet, but it is from 1973 on Capitol Records, and here you go. I prowl the interstate Checking up on trucker bait Making sure it's up to date Before they drop it on ya Truck stops with swinging chicks Gotta pass inspector's lips That's how I kiss away my money That's where my money goes Checking up on girly shows Truck stops and coffee shops Are getting all the gravy Sweet things and sexy clothes Hot pants and pantyhose Hot damn they almost Drive me crazy I dig those groovy clothes One of these and one of those Okay from head to toes For a waitress occupation I go for curvy chicks Built like a ton of bricks What good's a frame with no foundation I've got them coast to coast Stop when I need them most Hoss, I don't mean to boast But this ain't wood that's talking Some dudes can walk the line But I just ain't the hitching kind Look, Hoss, these boots ain't made for walking That's where my money goes Checking up on girly shows Truck stops and coffee shops Are getting all the gravy Sweet things and sexy clothes Hot pants and pantyhose Hot damn, they almost drive me crazy 
joints and Cajun queens It's just beyond my means To fly the coop on Sunday A big man wants half a yard Won't take my credit card Hawk shop will get me out on Monday That's where my money goes Checking up on girly shows Truck stops and coffee shops Are getting all the gravy Sweet things and sexy clothes Hot pants and pantyhose Drive me crazy Okay, that was Dick Curlis with the song Chicken Spectre, That's Where My Money Goes. From 1973 on Capitol Records, this was a B-side to his song Travel in Light. Dick Curlis is amazing and should have been a much bigger star. He started actually making appearances as a country singer. His family was were musicians. He started making a, an appearance as a country singer when he was still in his teens, calling himself then the Tumbleweed Kid. <laughs> Despite a bad eye and heart trouble, he ended up getting drafted for the Korean War, so another Korean War guy, in 1951. But while he was in Korea, he was mostly there as an entertainer. He played it, he made it, had a band, and he was a DJ. In fact, his next great nickname was his DJ name. It was the Rice Paddy Ranger. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. And, and isn't that just... It's like the most offensive, but maybe not. He was discharged in 1954 and then went back to Maine, which is where he was from, and he started playing music again. And in 1965, he had a song called Tombstone Every Mile. The best way that he and a friend of his had for getting this out there was they started their own record label called Allagash Records. So that was specifically so that they could release Tombstone Every Mile again. I think that is the best trucker song of all time. That recording got him to Capitol Records, who were trying to capitalize on Dave, Dave Dudley's success two years earlier with Six Days on the Road. After that, he had the contract. He started making lots and lots of records. He had some that were basically all trucker songs. And he had a lot of one, a lot of albums that weren't. He had a lot of just great songs in general. He had a perfect voice. I mentioned that for Red, with Red Simpson too. But Dick Curlis sounded like a Marlboro ad, and he also had that eye patch. Like he had eye problems, and in 1968, he just it was giving him such a problem. He had to start wearing his eye patch then. Um, and at that point, he had a new nickname, the Baron of Country Music. So he's had three amazing nicknames, and none of them have anything to do with his eye patch. He would have been a huge success, I believe, because his songs were amazing, if not for chronic health issues. He had heart, heart problems, he had his eye problem, he was drinking way too much. He made a lot of albums up through the early 70s, and then in the late 70s, he just basically backed away from recording completely. I think he found God, um, he didn't really want to deal with the health issues and the drinking, didn't have much going on as far as recording, and then for about a decade, and then in the 80s, he made a couple albums, and in the 90s, right before he passed away, he had two more albums. So 95, I think, was the last one. That's my last track. Did you know that's a bit of a pun? I did not. Yes, a chicken inspector is uh, the name for, like, you know, the FDA, the agriculture and animal inspectors that you see on the highway. They stop, they mm -hmm. call them, the truckers call them chicken inspectors. Okay. So it's a little bit of a pun. Those are our songs, and we now have to finish up with our trivia. If you are ready. I'm ready. I'm going to play these clips again one more time through, and what we're going to do, or what I want you to do, is tell me the song. If you want, you can tell me the artist. We're probably going to mention it anyway. But most, most importantly, song and what band is the artist most known for being in. So here you go. Track one. I learned to count, but I found out there is no balance scale. People know, I think we know, for some is living hell. Track three. I've away through the longest hours, wondering whether to cry or scream. Love is long and boring And written very long ago It's full of flowers and hard-shaped boxes 
and things we're all too young to track five. Can you hear them? The helicopters. I'm in New York. No need for words now. Track six. Ed, what do you what do you have for track one? All right, I don't know the name of the song. I want to say it's something like Redemption, or you've played it for me. I, it, it's like Redemption, or mm-hmm. or okay. some sort of religious song, like okay. religious name for a song. Okay. Um, the singer is Jason Pierce of Spaceman Three or Spiritualized. Wrong. Okay, the song is Revival. The oh, sing, the singer, the band that's the that does revival is a band called Soul Savers, and the person who's doing the vocals on that is Mark Lanigan of the Screaming Trees. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, sounds different. Okay. Yeah. Oh, for one, song two. I don't know the name of it. I think it's Curtis Mayfield of the Impressions. It is. The song is called Dirty Laundry. It's one of his. He did a few country songs, and that kind of wanted to keep a little bit of a theme there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool yes. song. I don't know Great. if I'd ever heard it, but I, I was like, it's got to be Curtis Mayfield, but I, it sounds like he's singing in a country cover band. There are two compilations out by this German record company called Tricont. One is called Dirty Laundry, and the other is called More Dirty Laundry, and they're both subtitled The Soul of Black Country. And they're they're great. The recordings are really well made, the records are really well made, and it's just soul artists doing country songs. It's it's fantastic. Gosh, that sounds like something I'd like. You have to make a recording of that for me. The third song, I think it was Sally Timms of the Mekons. Yes. I want to say, I know I've heard it. I want to say maybe it was like I, I'm not I'm not, not going to know the name of the song, but I think it's from that that Stephen Merritt the Sixths is that That's the it. name of the band yeah, or the album? Yeah. I don't That's, remember the name of the song. I'm not going to uh, get that. Give me back my dreams. Okay, is the name of the song. But yeah, you got everything else there, and that one was she got a very distinctive voice. She does. I gave her a futon. I have to fit <laughs> that in at some point in one of these episodes. I slept on that futon before you gave it to her. Before though, pre Tim's. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't anywhere near. I'm, I'm surprised she bought it. All right. The fourth song is Book of Love is the song. I think it's Peter Gabriel of Genesis. I just know he covered it. You got it all. The fifth song is Tom York of Radiohead. It's on a really great PJ Harvey record called Stories from the Sea, Stories from the City or something like that. I don't know the name of the song. It's called This Mess We're In. Uh, the last song, It Is Hung Over Together, is the name of the song by the Super Suckers. And I think it is Kelly Deal of the Breeders singing. Yep. Trying to trick you up to see if you'd go Pixies. But yeah, it's Kelly, not Kim, and Breeders. Very good. I think you got just about all of them. All right. Well, that is everything we had for you guys today. Ryan, do you want to take us out? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're uh, hitting the road, uh, make sure you... Um, Check out our Spotify playlist. We are updating our um, website, and Joe's doing a great job of updating our Facebook regularly. As always, go buy some records. Go to a record fair. See if you can't find some trucker albums. They're, they're kind of fun to hunt for. One thing that Joe mentioned during the week when we were talking, and I think this is a is a, is a crazy thing that I, I should have mentioned in the show, is like, what if there's like a private press trucking record out there? Like, what would that be? It'd be amazing. Right? Yeah. So go find that if that exists. We even talked about trying to see if we could find Paul Major's contact information to see if we could email if he knew anything like that. Because it's just too, it seems like there would be, but I don't know. That Kenneth Hickney album has a, a trucker song on it, sort of, but it's not what I'm not what I was thinking about. I wanted I want sort of a hillbilly trucker album, but with some sincerity and maybe a little God. Yeah, I mean, it seems yeah, it seems like in all the the Christian records there should be some. Joe said we haven't mentioned Lot Lizards yet. There'd probably be an anti Lot Lizard song or at some point. How would they handle those little white pills called white crosses? <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah, so, uh, but go out and support support musicians. Buy some records. Uh, Joe's going to tell you about social media. 
Join our Facebook page, please. We post, we update a lot. We have a Twitter feed uh, that we update, obviously, as often as we can, almost as often as we can. We probably could do it a lot more. But the Facebook one, we do update a lot. And please email us any ideas you have, any suggestions suggestions for topics you'd like to see. We have an email that is podcast at gmail.com. One more thing, if you can, rate us on iTunes uh, with as many stars as you feel is fair and then add one or two because we, we would like it if more people were heard this uh, and hopefully you would like that too. Anyways, we appreciate y'all listening and uh, Joe's going to have something for you next time. Tell them large Mars. It's NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.